Welcome back, my friends, to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the insight with all leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as in every week, I have my two co-hosts, Hart Holton and Paul Lewis. Hello, guys. Hey, what's happening with you? Now, guys, just joking. This week, they were together. Paul and Howard were in Atlanta together, and we have a special guest for you today. So, I was listening through the event, the recording and everything, and it was awesome to hear the conversation. And they were putting something there, they wanted me to edit it, but I think that to dive directly into it, the way that it went through, it's perfect for. So this is our first episode with Meet the Viewers. Let's go there. We figured out, we can go back and forth, like, that. I don't think it's that. It's into a mission critical. Yeah, but the... <laughs> Mr. Uh, Vargas now has to edit everything we're about to say. Yeah, so how do we make it the hardest we possibly can for him? <laughs> right? Like that's Let's like, just keep moving. That's going to be the fun part. Yeah. Just keep sliding left and right. Just, just slowly do this. Eventually <laughs> <laughs> move off screen. <laughs> right. So uh, I think our viewers know us well enough at this point that uh, that Paul and I don't need to do an introduction. But uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Meter viewer. <laughs> what? Yeah, this is our first meet a viewer episode. I, I was I was wondering. I guess it's that. meet our viewer because he probably is the one we have. That's yeah, right. I, I am one of the one that you have. One of the one. Yep, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I'm Rance Carr. So basically, um, grew up in South Alabama. Spent. Most of my life there, I have lived in Georgia for the last 25 years. Most of my career, or the first part of my career was spent in manufacturing. So as a production manager, shipping manager, receiving manager, materials manager, you name it, manager-wise, and I probably have done it. And then the last 10 years, or 11 years, have been, has been spent in IT. So I moved over to IT as part of the Oracle EBS. I don't know if can I say Oracle. <laughs> As part of Oracle EBS implementation, and then I've stayed. So several opportunities to go back to the business, but kind of what I started realizing was I can have more impact on the business from an IT position than I actually could from a single plant position. And so that's the reason I liked IT, and that's the reason I wanted to stay here. So outside of kind of impact of the business, right? What, what, uh, what else do you like about IT? I, I really like working with the people. So it's a very, as strange as it sounds, I know it's a technology, but in the role that I've been given or the role that I've worked in for the last lot of years, I've worked with a vast number of people, a vast, I mean, throughout the globe. I mean, geography-wise, I've, I've traveled a lot. I've worked with a lot of different cultures and the different types of people. So that's what I've enjoyed. So you have the same type of role as, like, in a hospital. There's a chief medical information officer, right? So it's, in many ways, a peer to the CIO, but they exist. They also have a practice, right? They're also a doctor. They might, in fact, work in the hospital. And their role is to say, I know how to be a practitioner, um, and I'm going to help you translate that into IT so that IT can actually make me work better, faster, cheaper, better. And so that's, that's exactly what I think my sweet spot's always been is I have the understanding of the business, 
and the business, when they explain things to me, I can understand what they mean. Translate that over to IT so that we can code or do whatever we need to do. Or, or take IT requirements and translates that back to the business so they can understand clearly what we're trying to accomplish or what we're saying. So it's a well-used phrase, so I'm going to ask you specifically what you mean when you say that. When you know the business, like, describe that. What's, what's the business to you? Uh, well, coming out of, especially here at the company I'm working for now, I've actually was in one of their manufacturing facilities, mm. making the product, shipping the product, receiving the product. So, you know, whether you're, whether they're coming to me asking me about, hey, I need a report to for scrap based on these parameters because I've been there, I'm able to take those parameters and explain to an IT guy who may not even know what they're even talking about when you're talking about scrapping out product. And they've never, a lot of our guys have never been in the facilities. They don't have that experience. They're purely IT. So, and the, even in the role today, and I've told Howard in the past, I mean, 2017, we had a plant that had some problems, and they came and got me out of IT, and I went back to a plant for four months. And basically had to go back into the process side of things and helping to work on that plant. If we went to your house, went to your garage, would we see a lot of packing peanuts? Would you see a lot of packing peanuts? Packing peanuts. That's an odd question. I don't know. I don't know that I get it either. I said no cur. I said no curveballs. We're talking packing peanuts. Yeah, so, so from my perspective, like I think it's worth, worth it for our viewers to know that you and I work together now, right? Correct. Um, and I came here six months ago. We'll keep here a little, a little confidential. Um, and first thing I did, right, I met everybody and had a conversation with my supervisor and said, um, Rance is my number two. And he said, do you think Rance would be willing to do that? And I said, well, considering I talked to him about it, I already asked, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's already been implemented. I'm just informing you. Yeah, it's yeah, it kind of that. And, uh, and it, it, from my perspective, walking into a new organization, walking into a new company, walking into a different industry than I've been in before, because I don't have any manufacturing experience, it's been invaluable having someone that not just understands the business, but people are confusing to me. People don't come naturally to me. Um, I work very hard to be personable. I don't really know anybody that like we could call to interview about how I was before I learned how to be personable. Not sure they'd take the call. <laughs> Surprise some do now anyway. Fair enough. But um, it, was, I, it wasn't that bad. I was just an awkward person. Um, so my question for you before we get into your questions for us as, as our viewer is um, if somebody currently is in IT, right, currently is a viewer and wants to become a leader, right? Leadership, you have to be personable, right? Leadership is ninety percent empathy. Um, what are what are like some techniques or tricks or tips or or advice that you would give to somebody who doesn't feel that they're personable in becoming personable? Because you're really, really good at it. Yeah, and so I mean, you've had this conversation um, quite a few times, and. At, at, I always knew I was good at it, but I didn't know I was really good at it. And so, um, 
I mean, I mean, no, you're terrible at it. It has no market value whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I, I never, I never really thought about it, but I have been thinking about it over the last few weeks or so. And so I, I would say there's three things that I would kind of put on it. Number one, I, I think you have to establish trust. And so to establish trust, you have to open yourself up to people. Yes. So unless you're open, then the person you're trying to develop the relationship is not going to be open. They're going to be guarded also. So I think I try to, I, and I don't always do a good job of it, but I think for the most part, I try to be very open with people to get them to open up with me so that I can start learning about them. So I'd say that's number one. Um, number two, I would say active listener. But it's not just listening to spoken language, it's also visual. So you're sitting here, you're in the office, you're looking around, guy's got golf memorabilia, guess what? He's an avid, avid golfer. It's a good thing to be talking about when you're talking to him. Bring it up, ask him about it. Hey, the lady that sits next to you wears a different pair of shoes every day. They're fabulous. Guess what? She's proud of them. She'll love to talk to you about them. So you start getting those things. So, but the most, you know, but it's odd because I remember a lot of those facts, but I'm terrible with names. And I, I, can't, I can't do it. So we had a vendor in here earlier this week. The guy who was leading the discussions that we were having, I cannot tell you what his name is. What I can tell you is he was raised in New Orleans. He went to LSU University. His, him and his wife currently live in Nebraska. I don't know what his name is. Thomas. Thomas, there you go. Rance. That's the weird thing. So, I mean, so, you know, you, you start picking up those. Or Paul. So I met Paul pers personally for the first time this morning. But I know he's a big Disney fan. I know that his daughter. The term is Disney Dork. Disney Dork. His daughter um, has started college. Right. Because I remember when on the show that he was going through and starting to tour the colleges. And the one thing that he was looking forward to when he came to Atlanta was the Friends experience. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that nobody else in Atlanta knew even existed. That's true. And I do think on the next episode, Paul will have to regale us with right. how the Friends experience went. The complete walkthrough. I will yeah. sit in the cafe, on the couch. It's going to be a whole deal. Or, you know, you take Howard. So what, what do you know about Howard? He's a collector. So whether it's whiskey, whether it's comic books, whether it's watches, whether it's Bibles, severed heads. Cars. Howard, Howard collects it. He really true. doesn't collect severed heads, but, but he, I do collect Bibles. But it, I do collect chessboards. I do collect watches. I do collect books, cars, and books and motorcycles. And, yeah. But ask him about the severed head if you ever meet him. He'd be love to tell you about that. <laughs> it's a big collection. So that's that's <laughs> my. You know, it's a big collection. Isn't one a big collection? <laughs> Like, of, of severed heads? Yeah, <laughs> yeah of severed heads. Of severed heads. I think one is a big collection. No, if you, if you have one severed head, you got to have two. I mean, you, <laughs> you can have you, two. One's, one's not there. So <laughs> when you say severed head, I immediately think human. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, it's human. Yeah. Oh, all right. It's, it's human. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so human. I think one is a pretty big collection uh, compared to the like the world of collectors. There's the of showcase head and then the one you keep <laughs> in the background. If you've right. you got one head. The one you keep on the nightstand. If right. you got one head, you're guaranteed that. Why stop there? Yeah. Murder's murder, you buy stuff there. So that's active listener. So that's that's my that's number two, and then number three, I really believe that everybody and every business does something well. Yeah. And so they excel at stuff. So if you can understand what they excel at, and if you have an opportunity to point it out or compliment it, 
then if you ever have to have a conversation that's negative, it's a lot easier for them to take. It's a lot easier to have that discussion. So where does this get us? Where this gets us is developing a business personal relationship, which is the foundation for developing a business relationship. And so if the if you can develop the personal business relationship, then it makes it sticky, makes it strong, and it's much better than just having a business relationship. You're, you're subject to fail with the business relationship. Times get tough, they're out. Business is a reasonably new invention in human history, right? Mm -hmm. um, Hunter-gatherers, which is where we spend most of our time, they don't have businesses, right? Um, you don't, there's no concept of it, right? Money doesn't have value. It's a purely trade situation. Um, and, and it kind of plays into the whole psychology of people. At what point does, does another person become a person within your subconscious? Right? Um, I've talked a bit about the study they did in New York to determine like, why are people so rude in New York. And what they figured out is there's a limited number of people that you can see, interact with and see as people in one kind of day period. Mm -hmm. And that in New York, that's less than one block from your house. You will have encountered more than that number of people on average, and therefore everything after that, they're no longer actually people. Right? It's not that they're invisible, it's not that they have no value, but they're like dogs and cats. Right? They're not actually people. And so what you've described is, is effectively the same thing. Right? If, you want to be, if you want to make a connection, if you want to be a people person, then you have to figure out a way to not only make them people for you and your brain, but make you a person to them. And we don't do that by being, you know, a representative of the business that's an avatar. Yep. We do that by, you know, making them people and being, being people. And, it, and it's hard. It's hard for people to do it. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do, right? Has, has that translated for you into your leadership staff? Like, do you lead your direct reports and their direct reports in that exact same relationship-centric manner? I believe I do. I, I believe I do. I, I, I try. I, I try. So I like to get to know who works for me. Yeah. And, and for the most part, I like to try to see, you know, challenge yourself, try to remember everybody's kid's name. Because guess what? Everybody has a soft spot for their kid, right? So if you can talk about their kid and ask them, hey, how did he do in tennis match? How did he do whatever? If you can start learning those facts. But it's funny what makes people tick, right? Because people have got different hobbies, people got dis different interests, and if you can figure out what those are, you can get on that business personal relationship. Right? The problem with the philosophy is it doesn't scale. Right? Okay. So I'm bringing Howard into an internal conversation of Pythian, talking about large, maintaining large scaled teams. So if you have a team of a thousand people, okay. you won't know. 900 people's names, let alone their kids and their hobbies and their everything. So how do you take that relationship skill you have to that thousand person? Well, I see, I don't, I don't know that I agree with you because oddly enough, the CEO of this company, I don't see very often, but when I see him, he always calls me by name. It's, it's a CEO skill. We've talked about that and before. And it's a CEO skill. So he's saying if you had a thousand people, you're a pretty large organization. But I think you would groom your organization, your, your leaders within your organization. I think you would have to start grooming those leaders to have similar traits, right? I also think you get into a situation where 
you're not actually remembering a thousand people, you're remembering a thousand facts, and anyone can remember a thousand facts, mm. right? So, so I'm going to talk more about it, like how I cheat at it, because okay. it doesn't come naturally to me. It goes beyond that, though, right? And, and we'll get into this when we have that conversation, but of those thousand people, 200 of them will be turning over at any one period of time. Okay. Yeah. Right? So big numbers, because, you know, in IT, 20% of your team's going to change. When it's 10 people that you're leading, not a huge burden to you. It's two people, you're going to learn two people's names. Uh, so there's 200 people you may, may, may have never met, let alone 200 people that you're going to see again. And yes, you're going to have a pretty big spectrum, you're going to have a decent leadership team, and I agree with you that you're going to, your culture that you're going to create in a team is going to be very people-centric, very relationship-centric, and you'll probably hire people that also have that skill set. However, there will be parts of your team members that don't have that skill set in any way. Right? You're, you might have 12 direct reports in a thousand person team, and three or four of them are going to be like purely technical. Right? They, you wouldn't put them in a room with anybody other than themselves. Right? That, like that, that's the type of person they're going to be, and you're going to have to figure out how to still be effective at a, at a much grander scale. I'm not taking away from the awesomeness of what you're saying. No, I mean, I, and, and I get it, but you, you go back and so I get your point. But then you're also, it's a different generation now too, right? So what are the millennials, what are they looking for? It's not necessarily money. You know, it's got money, but it's also, it's... Do, do I feel valued? Do I feel... Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And how do you and, give them that? And, and, and I'll be honest, it's not just knowing someone's name that makes the connection, right? But remembering a fact about them is infinitely more powerful. Okay, I can't, I can't remember your name. I can't remember but, your But name. I do remember that your kid plays tennis. Yep. So how did your kid do in their tennis match? I do remember you wore those spectacular shoes, right? What were those shoes called? Where did you get those shoes? Where, where can I get is, is that a pair of shoes you think my wife would like? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, all of a sudden, they're a person. And it's not just they're a person to me or, to, you know, you know to, make, to make me a person to them, but rather... I have I have value as a person because they remember something about me, mm -hmm. and and it's not it's not, it's not easy to do that right. But no one also expects you to walk up on their first day, right, and, and know all that. Nor do they expect that you're going to remember it, you know, two and a half years later. But you might walk up to them and go, uh, you know what? I I remember you. We had a conversation about, and then they'll tell you. And the way the human mind works, you, that will then trigger. You know what I mean? Well, it's all easier on premise. Let's say you had a thousand people here. Sure. Yeah. But let's say that it's in 17 cities around the world, most of which you'll never meet. Okay. Right? Most of which have seen and know you, because you're on screen all the time. Right? You're doing the you're doing the fireside chats. They will know you very well, but you won't know them at all. Okay. Uh, so now you've got to shift from this relationship person to a motivator. An inspired I don't know because a, part, of the, part of the relationship was establishing trust by being open. So if you're the if you're the leader on the screen yeah. and you're open, you've already you've already conquered one piece of it. Right? Agreed. If you're entirely open, entirely transparent, there may not be the same words, right? Um, and empower as much as you physically can. I agree. That's where a good portion of that inspiration is going to come. Yeah. And and I want to double click on trust. Right, because empower empowerment is a function of trust. Mm -hmm. I trust you, therefore I empower. But it still is the same root. And if you cannot trust, you also will never actually empower. You may say you empower, but when it really comes down to it, you're going to double check everything. You're not. That's not empowerment. 
right? Right. And so I do think it's critical to, to trust, right? And and trust trust is a uniquely human trait, and trust is a human trait that is transitive. I trust you, you trust him, therefore he also trusts me, or I trust him, mm -hmm. right? The, the transitive value of trust cannot be overstated. So when it comes to scale, all of the same things apply. You're never going to meet that team, but you'd meet their leader. Does their leader trust you and do you trust their leader? And therefore, you have the value of that transitive trust. So when you do run into them, when they do ask a question, oh, I, I, am, I am already leading with trust because I trust your leader and your leader trusts you, and therefore I trust you. Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe not to the same level, but, but that trust still exists, and therefore you are a person to me, therefore you have value to me, you are the person your leader trusts to do the thing that you do, and therefore you have exceptional value to me because right. you are entrusted to do that. And so if Carlos was here, he would say that leads into my question. <laughs> you would have some strange transitionary that probably wouldn't make sense in any way. But, he but. would tell us about how warm it was in Florida <laughs> currently today or something like that. So, um, Which kind of leads into my question because you talk about the, the 1,700 people or the people around the world. Do, do you have to be a leader to be the boss? So a lot of these qualities I'm giving you are leadership type qualities. Do you have to be the leader to be the boss? Oh, I got a whole rant on it. You go first. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, I pinned you. You pinned me sure. earlier. You pinned right. me earlier. Um, I, you know, my, my immediate response to that is anybody can be a boss because anybody can assign you to be that boss. Uh, leader requires motivation, inspiration, uh, to which a boss may or may not have that skill set. Uh, one of the bigger problems of a boss is that they're expected to be, and they expect themselves to be, the most important, the most informed, the most talented person on the team, when in fact a leader chooses the opposite approach. The leader presumes that they're the least effective person on that team, they have the least responsibility and likely have the least skill set. Most people who report to them are smarter than them, right? They, they have more talent, they are more of a practitioner than the leader is. The job of the leader is to ensure that all of these people can come together to to solve a problem, to, to move the needle on a particular project, to obtain a goal that the individuals wouldn't be able to obtain without the leader. It's kind of a distinct difference. So yes, anybody can be the boss, but very few bosses are really the leader itself. And, and I would I have to say I agree with you because a lot of yeah. times even in, I mean, a medium-sized organization, best leader may not have any title. That they may be the informal leader and they are the person who can absolutely drive the group and get things done. Mm -hmm. They may have a title, but they may not have a title. Yep. The leader might be the second in command in the entire group. Could be. What's your rant? Uh, I always start with Simon Sinek for this one. Right? A boss has the title, the leader has the people. And I would argue anyone could be either. Right? Um, leadership is not a, such a vaulted talent that it cannot be learned, right? You can learn to be a leader. Um, it involves being inspired yourself to start with, right? Have you ever been successfully led before? That's question number one. It's, it's going to be much, much harder if you've not. Mm -hmm. And if you desire to be a leader, you need to find leaders to follow so you know what that feels like. And so you know how it feels to be inspired, and you know what inspires 
you and those around you. And those two are, are equally important because I'm not inspired by the same thing that you're going to be inspired by or that you're going to be inspired by. Similar things for sure, right? There may be a, a, you know, uh, a speech given by a leader on a stage that inspires the three of us. But it's a speech. There's a couple thousand words. It's not likely that the same words inspired us in all the same ways to do the same thing, to hold us in the same direction. I would say the other thing a leader needs is vision. A leader needs vision. Where, where is the destination? And how do I take all these pieces that are very tactical and get high enough to understand their impact on achieving that vision? Right? My, my all-time favorite picture of leadership is Washington in the longboat crossing the Delaware. Right? Kind of everybody can see it once you know what it is. Americans, but yes. Yeah, it's a pretty famous, famous painting. I'd be surprised if you hadn't seen it either. Yeah, yeah. you've seen it's it. It's not Sir. It's not. It's not a Sir John A. Macdonald or anything. But that's Sir a John A. Macdonald. I love the the, the Canadian reference. Because <laughs> anybody else would have gone. It's not fucking Van Gogh. But yeah, okay, I'll admit it's not Van Gogh. Okay, but not Sir John A. Macdonald. I like it. I like it. Now I'm gonna have to look up who that is. But but. If you think to it, especially for the Americans in the audience, and if you're not, Google it, um, Washington has a specific position in the boat. There's probably 10 people in the boat. Where's Washington's position in the boat? He's in the front. Yeah, why? Because he's the leader. Yeah, but he's, why is pointing, he's pointing the direction. He's telling them where to go. Correct. And he's, he trusts his people, right? He trusts that the boatswain's going to ensure that everybody's rowing together, and that everybody with an oar is going to row at the pace they need to so they get to the direction they need to. He's not, he's not turning around looking. Right. Probably didn't turn around and look once. He's trying to look for what can they not see because they're focused on rowing, guiding the ship, right? holding a rifle and looking for snipers maybe. Right? Does Washington need to call out targets? It's possible. Does he need to consider, oh crap, were there rocks we couldn't see? Is this going to leave us exposed when we land? Do I need to adjust this because it's not actually the right target? Right? And if this is the right target and that is a beach, what happens in those trees? Is there, are there people in those trees? Right? Washington's focused on something that no one else is focused on because they're all focused on the task that they're given. A leader doesn't have everyone else's tasks. They have a completely different set of tasks. Right? And so, yeah, they're in, in almost every room, they're the least important person in the room until it is time to lead, in, at which time they are the most important person in the room. And if that doesn't happen, they're not a leader. Right. Now, it is good that you can be a better leader. That can be learned from scratch, but it also can be learned as an improvement. I've had amazing failures as a leader over my career. I've made poor decisions. I've hired people that I thought were subpar because it made me look better. I'm sitting uh, right here. I, <laughs> you know, like, like I've had massive failures as a leader, but many of those has changed the way I actually lead, right? Many of those failures and as Howard was saying, the successful leaders to which I followed helped motivate and mold and determine how I look and lead teams right now. Actually, I have to disagree with you. So I, I I don't know that you can learn to be a leader. I think you can improve upon your leadership abilities and you can read and you 
got things that happen in your career that changes, but I'm not 100% sure you can be a leader. I mean that you can make yourself a leader. I think I think it's born. As crazy as that may sound. I mean, I think the so true leader is born. Know, how do you know that it's born? But by which I mean, how do you how do you know someone who's never been asked to lead or taken a stance on leadership has that innate talent, that innate ability, that that unique flip of the DNA that says I don't think I, I don't think you do. I, I don't. I, I just not. I'm not sure because I think you could take a group of people, ten, and you could give them all the same materials to read, and I think one of them was going to stand out as the leader. I don't think the leaders completely learned. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I think it may be learned from you as a kid. So I, I don't think it's DNA. I think it's what you went through. I guess that's one. But is it situational? Yeah. So ten people in the room, one of one. them, or you know, two of them might become a leader, but the other eight might be the best soccer coach, right? No, so because soccer coach lead, is a leader. But they may also not learn that way. Right. There may not be room for them to lead in that room, right? right. You put one, you put one overpowered personality in a room. And say we're going to teach you leadership, and that one overpowered personality can run that room, regardless of the capabilities and potential of the other nine people in the room. Mm -hmm. Right? I think it's. I think that, and, and I get it was just an example. Right? Yeah. You're not. You're not. You're not saying I did this before, and those eight people could never be leaders, right? But but I do think that it's very situational. Right? I do think, kind of to your point, I think I think there are people that from a very young age determine or are placed in positions that allow them to be leaders and they grab onto it and and they become leaders. I'm not sure they're effective. And I'm not sure that, like, like uh, I'm gonna use sports as, a, as the analogy, right? The quarterback is a leader on the field, has to be. Yeah. Football doesn't work otherwise. You can't have a quarter quarterback who's not a leader and a team that is worth a damn. If you have another position that's a leader and the quarterback isn't, they might be okay. But they're never going to be the state champions. They're, that person's never going to go to the NFL, right? Can we agree on that? Sure. Fundamentally. All right. So you can easily say. Well, talking about CFL, but yeah. I don't know what CFL is. Canadian Football League. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Uh, so, so, so you could absolutely say at a young age, being a quarterback, put you in a leadership position, you did okay, therefore you're a leader, and you've, you've, and you, that person can build on those skills. Doesn't actually mean they'd be any good at it. And so then maybe it's then traits. It maybe it's traits like athletic talent. Maybe mm -hmm. some people just have leadership traits. Sure. Just like other people have athletic talent, and those leadership traits can then be trained to be great leaders. Until you look at uh, Ten Thousand Hours. Have you read okay. that book or seen or mm -hmm. heard that theory? Mm -hmm. So um, effectively, uh, there was some research done as to I'm going to use one example, but there were a bunch. Why is Yo-Yo Ma? So much better than everyone. Why is he the gold standard in Jello? Um, there were a whole bunch of them, mm -hmm. right? Um, Olympic athletes, professional ball players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Actors, same thing. Um, and the consistent determination was it is not genetics, but rather it is the dedication to ten thousand hours. That it takes ten thousand hours to reach mastery. Yo-Yo Ma has a hundred thousand hours, right? Whatever it happens to be. Right. It's basically the five-year rule. Right? It takes five years of, of dedicated effort to become a master at any, any given thing. Um, and the, the, the 
theory postulated and that the book, what the book is supposed to convince you of is that, that because the only consistent thing is in fact the five years, is in fact the 10,000 hours, there is effectively nothing that cannot be taught and learned to an exceptional level, to, a, to the level of master. So Paul could have been an exceptional NBA player if he would have just spent enough hours? It doesn't matter sure. that he's only five. In fact, that, I was close. But it was that many thousand. I just need one more thousand. Scotty yeah. Pippen. Yeah. Wasn't Scotty Pippen like five, six? No, he's like six, ten. You're talking about Spud Webb. Okay. Spud Webb was like Funny. five, six. I knew there was a basketball player. Paul's, I, even, I, shorter. That's better than Paul's even shorter than Spud. That's true. That, that being said, everything you said I agree with is true. But the opposite is also true, where there are people that, that should not be a leader because they haven't learned the skill sets yet, uh, but also people that choose not to be a leader, even if they have that skill set. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to do it. Right? It's, not, yes. it's yeah. not something in, that they desire. Or maybe they're, they're not in a position like we're in. They're more, they're more artists. Right? They want to paint, they want to sculpt, they want to do music, and therefore managing and running a team is just simply not interesting to them. Of course. Yeah, or they want to be able to look at the output of their work and see something reflected in reality. Yeah. And leadership gives you zero of that. Right. Right? Because my work is reflected in the work of other people, and it's there's no direct relation. I will never build a hot water heater. Right. Not, not as anything other than a sick experiment. Like if we're being honest, right? Somebody could easily say, "Well, since you're turning the plant, we're going to have you assemble a hot water heater." Cool. I'm. That's not what I mean. Right. right? Um, that will never be my purpose, and I will never get the satisfaction of that having been my purpose. And there are plenty of people that need to do that. I, I do think it does need to be made clear. There's nothing wrong with that. A and search for whatever it is that makes you happy. Right. Search for your own version of success. For some people. Leadership is part of it, right? And for some people who are who like go into leadership, it will never be part of it, and they will leave leadership. And I think that's also fantastic, right? the The journey is is so much more valuable than the destination, in all these cases. Uh, that I do think, try it, right? Experiment, see what you know. Leadership was not something I thought I would like at all. Um, I really liked being an individual contributor. And I still find great pleasure in being an individual contributor. I never, it never occurred to me that that would be something I liked until I was kind of thrust into it and went, well, I guess, like I kind of suck at this and I don't, don't really understand people very well. Maybe I should figure it out because it's thrust upon me, right? All of a sudden I have a team of 10, I gotta do something, so. So an interesting, an interesting, I read an interesting article the other day, so Tom Brady, no he wasn't in the CFL, but you know who Tom Brady is, yeah, so familiar. considered the greatest of all time from a quarterback perspective in the NFL. Been in the league X number of years, 44 years old or whatever. Um, there was an article in basically this six round draft choice wide receiver got picked from Tampa this year. He walks into the room, Tom Brady comes up to him, introduces himself and tells him how much he enjoyed watching his film. And, and it just jumped out at the guy going, this guy's the greatest of all time and he's coming to talk to little old me who wasn't even drafted very highly and looking forward to working with me. That's a leader, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's knowing a person. So he took the time to invest, to learn these facts. And, and it's back to the... You know, in IT and business right now, we're trying to gather data. So it's all about data and understanding the data, right? 
it's the same thing. That's what you do with your relationships. It's all about gathering data and information and using that data to develop the relationship. So for me leadership wasn't a choice. Like I was a you know mediocre student and a mediocre individual contributor. So my like, <laughs> So you're saying your options were limited? I clearly wasn't going to be the best at those things, right? So you right? just got lucky. Like, there's only so much programming I was willing to do. So, so what was my next step, right? I, well, I better take a management job, so at least I don't have to do the actual work. So, so, can't do teach. So, yeah, that's exactly. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what the process was. And, uh, you, know, you go up through the hierarchy, and you do less and less work, right? And eventually, you, uh, you sit here and podcast. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. I think this was a really, uh, really good, solid, like forty minutes. Maybe. I enjoyed it. So, well, uh, since I can't see the screen and didn't set a timer, because well, uh, I hope you look forward to watching and listening to this podcast. I will. I will. <laughs> I, I, you will have. I promise you will have more listeners to this podcast because I'll be telling everybody. <laughs> go, go listen you get to your this. family together. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll have like a podcast viewing. <laughs> Take we'll that, just, and we'll put that in the podcast. That, that would be hilarious. A reaction video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I hope everybody enjoyed our conversation, and uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Bye.